0: do. The high tide comes in, and when the tide goes out, you cannot tell we have been there. Right. This is life. We'd like to leave some kind of a mark, but the fact of the matter is, time erases those marks. Our traces are all slowly erased. Even when men work together, On things like the pyramids or the Great Wall of China or the the pyramids down there in Mexico. All of these things, even those things, their use and even the structures are lost over time. It's a simple fact no man leaves permanent marks on the earth. Time erases all of them. However, that's not entirely true. There are two men who left permanent marks. Adam the first and Adam the last. This morning I'd like to consider the marks that they left. The title of this morning's message is Permanent Marks permanent marks. Let's pray. Father, we need you to work here. We bless your name for allowing us to assemble and for giving us your word and for your spirit, but now it's time for them all to work together for our good. You desire our good, and we desire your will, and we ask that you would do a work worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ, for we ask it in his precious name. In order for you to understand the permanent marks that Adam the first left on the earth, we need to picture in our mind what the earth was like when he was placed here. Now can you picture the Garden of Eden in your mind? The actual truth is you cannot because the setting is beyond our realm of experience. Even in the most tranquil of places that you visited, the animals live there in an anxious vigilance. There are predators and death is a constant struggle in the animal world. Even in the most peaceful and beautiful of gardens, the trees and the plants compete for sunlight and nutrients. And the weeds are ever prevalent. Now, I don't know if you just understood what I just said there. But we cannot comprehend the Garden of Eden because all, even the most beautiful things that we have seen have all have a twist to it now that it did not have when Adam was placed here. But try to force your brain to come up with as best of pictures you can of pictures of the animals just roaming about. Without a care in the world, well fed, happy, and at peace. It is very difficult, is it not, to get the lion and the lamb to be walking together down the same path without one eyeing the other? Is that not correct? But try to force your mind into that till you can see that the animals are all happy with each other. The sun is warm, but not burning. The air is pure, and the temperature is comfortable. The plants are bursting forth with fruit, each growing as it ought to grow, where it ought to grow, without selfishly crowding out the other plants around it. Try to get your mind to go there. It's very difficult to get your mind to do that. And here's some food for thought. Just this isn't having anything to do with the message, really, but something to think about for later. In our world, we find plants and minerals that we use for medicine, right? Also, our body has the ability to heal itself. Before Adam was placed on the earth, none of that was necessary. So when did God, did God put it in there ahead of time? Or did he alter something? And I don't know the answer to it, but it is an interesting thought. When Do you, do you see? Our body didn't need its ability to heal itself. But did he put it in it, or did he alter? I don't know. Those plants that we use for medicine, when did they start growing? When was all that? It's, it, just for something to chew on later. Listen to the birds sing in this paradise. Not a song of warning. Not a song with one eye ready to flee at a moment's notice. But listen to that bird sing a song of uninterrupted joy. Think of all of the birds singing in perfect harmony. I know it's hard. But try to picture everything in the garden The perfect love, the perfect harmony, and the perfect joy. This is how God created it. And God saw that it was good. And into this perfect, tranquil garden, God places Adam the first. Now, we do not know how long he was there. We assume that it was not very long. But some point along the way, Adam is faced with a choice. The choice is, does he eat the fruit or not? Now, in our way of thinking, this is not a very big thing. It's not a very big sin, right? Does he eat the fruit or not? If you were sitting here today thinking, should I eat this piece of fruit or not? You wouldn't say, well, if I ate it, that would be a big sin if I didn't eat it. You would not think that big of a thing. It wasn't the last apple. He wasn't overeating. He wasn't really what you would call stealing. He's not robbing a bank. He's not committing murder. His sons are going to do that as a direct result of the choice he's about to make, by the way. But it's just a silly piece of fruit. That's kind of how we view it. But God said, Thou shalt not. And Adam did. You may think it a small sin, just like maybe what you think you're doing right now in your life is small. But God doesn't think so. And in that choice, Adam the first made his mark on the planet. That little sin left its mark. What effect is that? Now take this picture that you just drew in your mind of this tranquil, peaceful the animals all getting along, the plants all acting in accordance with one another perfectly. Take that picture. And now compare it with the world today. There is the mark that Adam the first left. I oh, don't just look in the dark alleys, the perversions that take place in the dark places of the world. Don't just look at the history of the world where men have constantly killed each other. Don't just look at the heart of the wicked men and all the filth that pours out from them. But look at the effect in God's creation, all that was lovely and perfect and good. Now the animals live in a state of self-preservation. Each is constantly driven, trying to find enough food to eat each one living in fear of the unknown, and each one living in the reality of the hunter and the hunted. This is the effect of Adam's sin. Think of the plants, each competing with another for sunlight and for nutrients. Certain plants, we call them weeds, overpropagate themselves so to make sure that their kind continues, often choking out the other species around them. The vines, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, the vines grow. And what do they do? They grow over and up the other plants and shade them out so that they can have their own nutrients, oftentimes killing the one that they they climbed. Even the most beautiful scenery that we can see on the planet now is tainted by selfishness and greed, not just of humans. But of every living creature, Adam the first left his permanent mark. Think about this. Every drop of sweat that has run down the human brow, every struggle to make ends meet, every splinter, every thorn, every cut, every injury every cry of pain from a mother giving birth to a child, every tear that ever ran down a face, every fear and every sorrow are a direct result of Adam's small sin. He left a permanent mark. Worse than all of that, he left a race of beings separated from God. As we read in the passage, in Adam all die. Man had been created for fellowship with God, to live eternally with him, and Adam's little sin destroyed all of that. Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as one by, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Adam the first is the one man who left a permanent mark. His actions directly affect each of us every single day. Time has not blurred his mark at all. Adam I left a permanent mark. But there is, my friend, another who left a permanent mark. Adam The last, as our passage calls him, in verse number uh, 47, it tells him the last man is the. Let's let's read that here, verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Verse number 22 tells us, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam, the last. Is Jesus Christ. Now, just as we tried to picture the garden where Adam was placed, now try to picture the world where Jesus Christ was placed. Now, this is a lot easier, is it not? We have trouble getting our mind to wrap around complete peace and tranquility. But we have a lot of experience with the environment where the Lord was placed. A world of bitterness, cruelty, vice, hatred, envy, strife, murder, lust, greed. Not only in the heart of men, but in very, the very creation itself now. And into this world, Jesus Christ takes a human body and is born of a virgin in a hu- as a human baby. And into this world that he came... He must live as Adam the first was supposed to live. Only it's a lot more difficult now. Think about the difficulty. Adam the first is placed in a perfect garden. He's just got this one little thing that he's got a choice he's got to make. But now, the mark of Adam the first rules the planet. The consequences of sin have affected the earth. Adam the last will not be obeying in a perfect environment as Adam the first should have done. He will have to obey in a world filled with opposition to his obedience. Think about how much more difficult it was for Jesus Christ. He's got to live as Adam the first was supposed to live. Just think how much more difficult it would be put in the condition he was put into. But I am happy to tell you this morning that he did just that. Yeah. Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, might, he by the grace of God, should taste death For every man, for it became him from whom all things, and by whom are all things, in the bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Adam the last lived as Adam the first should have. Only he did it under much more trying circumstances. He did it perfectly that he might die to redeem the race of Adam the first. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Adam the last, which is Jesus Christ, left a permanent mark. What it means is his life has a direct impact on your existence. Now try to really think here, because I've been afraid this whole time that you will not get where we're trying to go. So get your brain in gear here. Let's see if we can get this a hold of. it. Think of the world as it was before Adam got here. Perfect, right? Adam comes... He leaves his mark. What effect does that have in your day today? The effect of Adam the first on your world is unbelievable. Everywhere you turn, you run into the effects of Adam the first. The world is a terrible mess. Jesus Christ, Adam the last, came into that world and his mark does the exact same thing. It affects you just as much as that. Every single piece of your life is affected by the marks of Adam the last. You must get a hold of that. It's not just that he died on the cross. He came and left a mark that affects every single piece. Peace of your existence. Let's think through a few of them. Just as Adam's disobedience filled the world with a curse, Christ's obedience fills it with blessing. Let's think of a few. Number one, salvation is available. Adam the first sin plunged the world into darkness. Eternal separation from God. But Jesus Christ came and was obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. His death was not for his own sin. He didn't have any. It was for ours. He paid the debt for you. Because of Adam the first, we were all dead in trespasses and sins. But because of Adam the last, we can have eternal life. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. My friend, you do not have to to live in the permanent mark left by Adam the first for all of eternity. In Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life. But this is only one of the permanent marks left by the Lord Jesus. Number two, because of Adam the last, God can look down upon me in mercy. Because of Adam, the last, Jesus Christ, God can look down upon me in mercy. God doesn't have to sit in anger and judgment on me any longer. His justice has been satisfied with the death of Jesus Christ, and now mercy can flow freely upon me. Weak and helpless as I am, his mercy can flow freely. Number three, Adam, the last, purchased and provided everything that I need. What effect does this have? What mark has he left? He purchased and provided everything that I need. I like to talk with people about their work. I like to talk with you about your work. In fact, often I do. And I look across the crowd here. i talk with most of you about where you work and what's going on. I enjoy that. And in this auditorium, it's amazing the number of different occupations that are represented here. And when you take on top of that the work that you do that's not for occupation, but the other things that you're involved in, there's a lot represented here. And I'll tell you one thing, in the last little while there's been one common thread that runs through all of the conversations, and these will not surprise you, but here's the common thread. One, I'd like to get my work, we're, we're trying to work, but we cannot get what we need. It's just not available. Our work is stymied. We want to go ahead, but the material's not on the job. We can't get what we need. We can't get it. Second common thread. If we can get it, we can't afford it. Have you seen the price on thus and such lately? We just can't afford to do the job because it's too expensive. We want to move forward. We're ready to move forward. But we can't get the stuff or we can't afford it. Now, we all understand that in our world that we're living in at this moment. The work is being hindered because we can't get it or we can't afford it. Now let me tell you something flat out here. The work that God wants to do in your heart and in your life, that's not true. He has provided everything and purchased everything, so those two excuses are not the reason why you're not growing. He has purchased everything that you need and he provides everything that you need. And when God is not working, it's not his fault and those aren't the reasons. You cannot say, well, I just don't, I can't figure. You have every single thing that you need. This is the mark of Adam the second in your life, in this world. He has provided all things in Christ. And we have no excuse to look and say, well, I'm not, I can't. He's provided and purchased every single thing. And the work is not hindered because of that. God has provided. Adam the first left us drinking from an empty bottle. Adam the last fills us to full and overflowing. Number four, I am no longer... A slave to the world, the flesh, and the devil. What marks did the last Adam leave, Adam the last on this planet? I am no longer a slave to the world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, slavery is a bad thing. It was bad when the Jews were slaves in Egypt. It was bad when they were, when we had slaves in the South. It's bad. Slavery is bad. No doubt about that. But slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil is the worst condition that a human being can find himself in. Slavery to the world, the flesh, and the devil is the worst condition. This is what Adam the first did for us. He had us all born into slavery to sin. The mark he left upon us was slavery to the sin, to sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil. An evil taskmaster, cruel to the utmost, dominating our lives, making our lives miserable. There's one thing about slavery. You don't get out of it on your own. A greater power has to set you free. And my friend, this is what Adam the last did for us. He is that greater power that sets us free. We are no longer captive. We are no longer slaves. Sin shall not have dominion over you. If the son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. This is the permanent mark left by Adam the last. Just as Adam the first left us in bondage to sin and death, Adam, the last, has set us free. Now, I probably haven't told you anything you don't know. But now, let's take this truth full circle here. Okay? Let's try to get your brain to understand. We have Adam, the, the first. We know what that did to us the permanent mark that affects us negatively every single moment of our lives. We have Adam the last, Jesus Christ, who came and left a permanent mark, and that brings a positive blessing to us on every single uh, area of our life. Now, with that clearly in mind, while it is true that no man leaves a permanent mark on the planet, that time eventually will work good or bad into oblivion, that's true. But man does leave his mark on the planet. No man passes through without leaving marks. The question is not really if he's going to leave marks on this planet. But what kind of marks is he going to leave? And here's the reality. There's only two marks, you, kind of marks you can leave on this planet. The marks of Adam the first or the marks of Adam the last. If you can let that sink in, that is very helpful. Every moment of every day, you are leaving one of two marks on this planet in your world. Marks of Adam the first or the marks of Adam the last. Now think about what that means. You say, oh, but it's just a little sin. I sat contemplating this. Had Adam known that the eating of his, that piece of fruit, the direct result would that his oldest boy would murder his second boy. Would he have eaten that fruit? He was in a tough spot. There's no doubt he had to make choices here. Had he known that if Adam I could look at the world today, knowing what he came from, where he was placed, and he could look at the world today and say, I, that was just a little apple. There was more on the tree. I, I wasn't going to affect anybody else. He would not say it was a little deal. And just because you cannot see the end result of your little sin doesn't mean that it's not leaving very definite marks. Yes. You are either leaving the marks of Adam the first, or Adam the last. You are always leaving marks of Adam the first or Adam the last. You say, well, how does it make, what's, how do we know the difference? The choice isn't whether or not you're going to leave marks, you're going to leave them. You have to decide which Adam's marks to leave. Every moment of every day, you're leaving the marks on, on the lives around you. If you walk in the flesh, you are leaving the marks of Adam the first. If you walk in the spirit, you are leaving the marks of Adam the last. Too often we downplay the works of the flesh. It's no big deal. It's not the last apple. I do live in this garden, so it's got to be partly okay. There's a lot worse things I could do. My motive is at least sounds good. I'm not hurting anyone. But my friend, when you choose to disobey God, you're choosing the path of Adam the first. And what does not seem like big things, it's just this little apple. It is a big deal. You don't see the harm. You you may not anticipate the consequences. But when you choose to disobey, you are leaving on this earth the marks of Adam the last. Sorry, Adam the first. But in a supreme act of grace, in a supreme act of God's abounding goodness... Do you realize that you can, on this planet, leave the marks of Jesus Christ? You can leave the marks of Adam the last on the world around you. When we choose to walk in the Spirit, when we are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, the marks that we leave on the situations and the people around us are marks of of Jesus Christ. Now Think about the difference in the world. The choice that Adam the first and the outcome of that. The marks of the choices that Adam the last made. And when you think about the marks that you're going to leave on this planet granted they're not going to last hundreds and thousands of years time's going to erase them But on the people that you know and love, in the situations where God has placed you, you are leaving marks of either Adam the first or Adam the last. For those two left permanent marks. Let's pray.